The following podcast is a Simpronto Media production. She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to today's episode and I'm so excited. Dr. Pompa's on our show and he has actually taken his story from pain to purpose. I'm so excited for him to tell you all about how he has transformed his health and he's also now training doctors all over the country. So Dr. Pompa, welcome. Tell listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I mean, that was a great intro because uh, that is my my story is why I'm here, uh, not my years of school, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, I, I became very sick myself and I had a very busy practice. Life was great. I had two young boys at the time. Um, amazing wife. Life was great. And then it wasn't. <laughs> I got very sick and didn't know why. And that kind of spent me some many years trying to figure it out. And um, I'm, you know, everything I teach now. Uh, it really came out of that battle. So, you know, from pain to purpose is in fact, my mantra. That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about intermittent fasting and I know that you are a big proponent in intermittent fasting and I'll read a couple questions later, but one of the questions we literally get every single day, it's, I'm just going to sum it up. And it's basically somewhere someone's like, I've lost 60 pounds. I've lost 30 pounds. I've lost and I've got 20 pounds to go. I've got 40 pounds to go. And that's it. And I can't get that anywhere from that last 20 to 40. They're stuck and cannot get that off. And they're like, I'm doing six hour. I've tried one meal. I'm trying keto. And it's like that last 20 pounds won't come off. What would you say are some possible things that are going on in that scenario? I actually love this topic and I never thought for a minute that I would be this weight loss expert brought in to talk about weight loss resistance. Um, but I become that, but there's a reason, <laughs> there's a reason for that. You know, my journey getting my life back and, you know, of course I was very sick, you know, didn't know why. And there's a whole story there and that's, you know, I'm trying to give time to that topic there, but I have to say this, you know, my saying is fix the cell to get well. And because that's how I got my life back. And now, you know, thousands of others around the world. And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, your cells control everything in your body, including your body's ability to burn fat for energy or not. You know, and when your cells, and I'll be even more specific, your mitochondria, those are your little powerhouses in every cell of your body, uh, when they lose the ability, to burn fat. Now we end up in a bad situation. You either end up skinny fat, which when I got sick, that was me. I was losing muscle and getting fat in the wrong places. So in clothes, people would be like, you're not fat. But yet to me, it was horrible. Now, or you end up fat or you end up with organ fat. Either way, you're when your body loses the ability to burn fat. Remember, your cells can only use two things, sugar or fat for energy. Okay, that's it. So what happens is, is that certain things and toxins play a big role in this. It's part of what I teach. They drive cellular inflammation. And now your cells cannot hear certain hormones 
that give your cell the ability to utilize fat for energy. When this happens, we end up in a state of weight loss resistance. So my saying now, fix the cell to get well, yes, your anxiety, your brain fog, your inability to sleep, your digestive issues, all of which I had, um, and all of which I was chasing my adrenals, my thyroid, my hormone problems from back, you know, from down here, instead of dealing with an upstream issue, um, which was a major neurotoxic issue. I had mercury issues, but the bottom line is, so yes, the problem could be toxicity affecting cellular inflammation. Your cells literally cannot hear your, uh, your hormones. And I, I always like to draw a picture of that. I'm going to move on to a dietary thing that may be affecting many of you, but I, I have to bring it to this first. Picture is worth a thousand words. If that's your cell, okay, so and that's not just a circle. On every cell, you have these little receptors to your hormones. Okay, those are hormone receptors. So think of diabetes, think of insulin. Insulin is a hormone that has to attach to one of these receptors, and then you get glucose in your cell for energy and all as well. When that doesn't happen, we call it insulin resistance, meaning your cell can't hear insulin. So a diabetic, type two diabetic has plenty of insulin. You have plenty of hormone, but the hormone can't get its message in the cell. It's resistant. Okay, now let's take it one more step. Thyroid hormone. T3 is an active thyroid hormone that when it gets its message in your cell, your cell burns fat as energy and you have plenty of energy. You don't have brain fog and it even has a lot to do with your digestion. So when that connection happens, all is well. But what if something is creating resistance with that hormone, blocking the receptor, inflammation, and thyroid hormone can't get its message in? Now, follow me. It doesn't matter what your blood level of thyroid hormone looks like. So we go to our doctor like I did. And I said, doc, my hair is thinning. I'm getting fat in my belly. Never had it before. I'm eating more perfect. What's going on, right? I had no energy, couldn't sleep. Something's got to be wrong with my thyroid because like many, I was looking for answers and thyroid's my issue. They ran my blood work, came back normal. Now, eventually, I'm sure it would have come back abnormal, but it came back normal because my blood level was normal, but thyroid was not getting its message in the cell. Now, what I didn't know was my cells were completely inflamed because of toxins and I had other hormones that were resistant as well. I was in a state of hormone resistance, which does drive this inability to lose weight. Okay, so there's a toxic reason. Now, here's another reason. We'll let, we can unpeel these, but I'll throw it out. Not changing your diet, not varying your diet, eating the same diet, even though it helped you in the beginning lose 20 pounds, it could now be working against you. So I've created training doctors, I've created a principle called diet variation. And the magic of it is, it helps, it forces your body to adapt when you switch your diet. And there's methods of doing this, weekly, monthly, and seasonally, we'll discuss it. But when you do that, you force the body to adapt and it does it via hormone optimization. It adapts by optimizing your hormones, one of which are the things that even makes your cells communicate better with your hormones. So the reason, in short, that people struggle to lose weight or that extra 10 pounds or whatever it is, it's hormones more so even than what you're eating. So how do we optimize our hormones? Well, we have to optimize ourselves. All right, there you go. That opens up a can of worms. <laughs>
Right. So how do they do that? How do they optimize their cells? All right. Let, let's unpeel. I mean, my, my cellular detox, I feel like that's a whole nother topic. You know, I train doctors and, and people around the world in this concept of real detox has to be at the cell and getting the cells upregulated on what they should be doing day in, day out is a huge part of what I teach. But let's break down something that I feel people can start right now literally today, tomorrow, you know, and I think it's a very, very simple concept that not only is easy to do, but it's a concept that I think will almost give you a sense of freedom. Um, and you'll feel like, really, I can do this and it works. Okay. So diet variation, I have two chapters dedicated, uh, this in my book because it works so well. So when we eat the same diet, Okay, we have many of you listening and watching that are in different camps. We have your keto camp, meaning this helped me, you know, this is working for me and I'm still doing it. We have paleo camp. We have maybe we have um, a vegan camp, a vegetarian camp, plant-based camp. The point is, is there's a lot of different diets out there. When we look at history, when we look at ancient cultures that were extremely healthy, not one of them stayed in one diet. So that's the good news and the bad news, maybe. Not one of them did. Because see, there was environmental pressures, whether it was drought, whether it was um, you know, animals leaving, coming, changing. I mean, there were so many different things that would occur that forced all tribes, even just seasonal changes, to massively change their diet. So when we look at the Hunza people, in the wintertime, they were majorly in ketosis, oftentimes even in a carnivore type of diet. And then spring would come and they would literally be without food for sometimes for periods, which they called starvation spring. So fasting was a part of their life. But then all of a sudden the berries and the carbohydrates would start blooming and they would eat them, you know, and then of course they would shift their diet again. So when we look at ancient cultures, dietary shifts were the norm. I visited a tribe in Africa that had just recently had come down from the mountain. Why? Because of a severe drought. Uh, the animals left. They were left with nothing. They were literally in a famine state for uh, quite some time. But when they came down, you know, they obviously started eating different foods. And so the point is, is that when I looked at what this tribe had done, they were constantly shifting their diet, depending on what they had. When they had meat, they ate it. When they didn't, they would do more of a gathering type of diet. It was interesting to see. And by the way, intermittent fasters, it was the first time I saw intermittent fasting. You know, you have to understand at that time, and this was, uh, you know, some years ago, um, I was probably eating four or five meals a day, um, you know, thinking that was good. And I saw this tribe that the men were gone early in the morning. They would go out hunting and they wouldn't be back until the afternoon. The women and children would do more of the uh, gathering. And then they would have a, a meal. It would probably be like a three, four hour meal, <laughs> but maybe it would start at three or four in the afternoon, you know, and it would be this really an amazing cultural experience. But they ate one meal, uh, you know, a lot like my Italian, Italian, Italian culture where there's this one bigger meal, you know, later in the day. But there was the point is, is that they intermittent fasted, but they also were forced to, to change their diet. So in a nutshell, when you change your diet, the body has to adapt 
to the dietary change. How does it do it? Well, we know that there's a hormone optimization that occurs every time we shift our diet, but how it happens is it forces the microbiome to change. So all of a sudden now, when you're eating a very different food choices, the, the bacteria start to change and adapt. And that adaptation of the, these bacteria create major hormone changes throughout the body. So um, it, it's, we can even duplicate that with hot and cold. So there was a study um, when I do a lecture, uh, acromesia is one bacteria that we know when we go from hot to cold and then cold to warm again, uh, this bacteria that's connected to obesity literally disappears. And we can get mice or rats to, that are stuck in a weight loss resistance that they created to literally change genetically, epigenetically, because that bacterial changes. So we know if we stress the body, dietary change, even hot, cold, we can actually have an epigenetic change based on the gut microbiome change and therefore break through weight loss resistance. So I don't wanna get bogged down in the science, but the bottom line is this, when we change our diet, and I'm gonna give you some weekly strategies, monthly and seasonal, but we force this hormone optimization because the body's adapting to survive, simple as that. Awesome. I'm gonna ask a quick question that I have here from a girl named Ginny Lynn from Jonesboro, Arkansas. She says, I love your podcast. I eat in a four hour eating window every day. Mm -hmm. I have lost 120 pounds thanks to your podcast and I still have 30 pounds to go. After listening that you did a five, five day fast, I decided to do it myself. I did one and I did great. Then I decided to do another five day fast a few months later. But the second time I did it, I had to stop after day, just day two. I just couldn't finish. How come the first time I did the five day fast, it was a, a breeze. And when I say breeze, it really wasn't, but you know what I mean. But after the second time, I couldn't finish day two. Can you explain why some days I can do it and sometimes you just can't? Well, one of the things that happens in a fasting state is autophagy. And some of you are probably very familiar with that, meaning that your body is so smart in a fasting state to survive. It doesn't uh, eat for energy your good cells. It literally eats the bad ones. It's that smart. And it does that to survive, to get energy. So through autophagy, self-eating, it takes out all of your bad cells. But because of that, your body will also have a toxin release. So your second fast, most likely you got into some deeper stores of visceral fat, which hold a lot of toxins, these fat cells do. And you released a lot of toxins, which can actually create a weight loss resistance, even from the toxin release. Remember what I saw, how I started this. I said that when toxins come in, they make your way to the cells and specifically these fatty membranes and the toxins attach into the membranes. And then what happens is they drive inflammation and then that can create this hormone resistance. So that's what happened. And oftentimes you feel horrible too and um, because you're just hormonally not right. So therefore in my book, I talk about some binders uh, that we utilize for people fasting that run into that problem because we want to bind some of these toxins in our gut and also in and around our cells um, so you don't end up in that hormone resistance state. So can you talk about, you know, what are kind of, and I know that on your website, you have some different supplements that you sell. 
what would you say are kind of your top five supplements that if someone wanted to have, obviously the diet, they need to read your book, the cellular healing diet. They've got to get that right away. But as far as supplements go, what would be your top five if they really wanted to get down to that cellular level? Yeah, actually my new book um, deals with this more directly. Uh, It's called Beyond Fasting. So in this book, you can go to beyond right now it's a pre-order because it's not really released um, on Amazon yet. You can go to beyondfastingbook.com to get it. But I take people on how to um, not just do a five-day fast, even a partial fast or a pure water fast, but how to prepare for it. You don't just run a marathon uh, to get the best result you train for. So I, I say how to prepare a month ahead of it to get the best result and to avoid these problems. Um, but the top five, and I, I talk about, I think three of them in my in the book, uh, bind is one, that's a gut binder that binds toxins in the gut so you don't auto-intoxicate during the fast. Um, cytodetox is another, that is more binds around the cell and pulls toxins off the cell. Another one called fast tonic, which is molecular hydrogen that helps um, get rid of, uh, really help mitigate more of some of the oxidative stress that happens with toxic people when they fast. Um, uh, another one called G-cell. G-cell raises in this intracellular, in the cell glutathione, which again, helps um, a, a lot of that process. And I would just have to argue that uh, just a general electrolyte um, during fasting helps because um, just like many of you are familiar with when you start intermittent fasting or ketosis, you lose glycogen, which is stored sugar, and therefore you lose electrolytes. When you do a fast, um, you lose it a lot more. So taking an electrolyte would be uh, very important. So those five. Hey guys, one of the things that will take your weight loss to the next level is coaching. You can either work one-on-one with me or one of our certified private coaches. If you'd like, you can schedule your free call. It's a 10-minute strategy call just to see if coaching is going to really take you to the next level. Don't just take my word for it. Listen to this recent review a happy coaching client sent in. Thanks so much for your help and guidance. I never could have done it without you. The other thing is listening to the audiobook. Listening to the audiobook and getting the video course that I've done, people are seeing dramatic results. If you just listen to the audiobook 30 minutes a day, over and over and over again, and get the video course, go to ChantelRayway.com and check out the video course. You won't be sorry you did. Okay, awesome. Um, this next question is from Heather in Virginia Beach. She says, I seem like I'm always thirsty. I looked on Google and it said that one of the reasons you could be thirsty is that you could have diabetes. It said when you have this disease, your body doesn't make enough of the hormone insulin or doesn't use it properly. It causes too much sugar to build up in your body. I don't think I have diabetes. And I also listened to a podcast from Dr. Mercola and one other guy talking about their cellular reasons why your body could be thirsty. Do you have any other issues for why I could be so thirsty all the time? I've tried electrolytes. I've tried everything else. What are some reasons besides diabetes of why I'm so thirsty? 
You know, one of the, uh, your kidneys have so much to do with your electrolyte you know, balance or imbalance. Uh, and oftentimes taking electrolytes doesn't help because more of which uh, your kidneys, toxins, ha toxins have a very um, direct effect on your nephrons and your kidneys. And, you know, your kidney's job really is this fluid uh, balance in your body. And so oftentimes supporting the kidneys further is important. Um, however, the upstream issue is oftentimes a more toxic reason. So when you see these um, electrolyte imbalances that aren't corrected by just taking electrolytes, think of more of a toxic reason uh, that that can happen. You know, and just as I drew the cell there, these toxins also make their way in and around the cell. And remember, your cells ultimately balance your sodium and potassium as well. So your innate intelligence knows when this is off and the, the thirst can be the, the, the body trying to correct it. But meanwhile, your cell membrane, which really is the balancer, um, there's something called membrane potential. But the bottom line is toxins interfere with it there and the kidneys. So look upstream. And I will put the link in for your for your book where they can go to um, get the book Beyond Fasting in the show notes. Why don't you give us kind of the two biggest tips that you give in that? Give us a little sneak preview of what they can find in that book versus the uh, Cellular Detox book. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, in this book, look, I, I believe... Or Cellular Healing, sorry. Yeah, so, so, yeah I, I, I knew it. Cellular uh, Healing Diet. Yeah, that's okay. Um, you know, I, I believe genetically we're meant to fast, right? And just like I said, we're, we're at a unique time in human history because uh, we're not, we don't ever have to fast anymore. We have plenty of food. Even the poorest people can go in 7-Eleven uh, or corner store and buy processed food, right? So, you know, we have food. And again, that doesn't mean that there's not starving people around the world. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the point is, is most of us have plenty of food. The problem is, is we don't, or we're ever forced, we're not forced to go without it. And I believe our DNA is set up four times of famine. It resets our bad genes that get triggered and turned on. It resets our bacteria, our microbiome. It creates more diversity, which leads to greater health. I mean, all of these things happen uh, during a fast, right? So, and, and there's so much more, right? The body goes into this healing. It drives its energy towards a deep healing that uh, can only happen during times of fasting. So therefore, you know, this, my book talks about the why we need to fast and how to do it. Uh, and again, I, I think that longer periods of fasting um, are, uh, you know, extremely important to, to live long, healthy and disease prevention. And I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting every day, but we get far more autophagy when we expand the fast periodically, even one fast a year. I, I interviewed years ago, um, Thomas Seyfried twice. He wrote the book, uh, Cancer is a Metabolic Disease. And he said, even one fast a year, one fast, extended fast, five, seven days. And, and I love five-day fast for a reason. But um, he said, one decreases your cancer chances 95%. And, and I believe that that is the case because as we get some autophagy, even on a 15-hour fast, we hit max autophagy about day three of a fast, meaning we start to just... Uh, in, in Thomas's work, he talked about when they saw tumors just shrinking, shrinking, shrinking when they would hit what they called max autophagy. 
And really, the only way to do that is these times of great restriction uh, during fasting or partial fasting. So in doing it for days, these tumors would shrink when they hit max autophagy. In my book, I talk about how to know when you're in max autophagy. Um, and you, you, I tell you how you can do it from home, how to measure your glucose and ketones and look at a certain ratio. And I talk about really how I gathered that from, um, you know, from, you know, being in a, a mastermind um, with Thomas Seyfried, you know, and saying, well, wait a minute, if that's when tumors start and stop shrinking, you know, this is important for us to know, <laughs> you know, when we're fasting, just to know when we're getting healthiest uh, and getting rid of these bad cells. But anyway, so I think that's an important lesson. I talk about um, how to know if your coffee works for you in your intermittent fasting window, um, because some people it does, some people it doesn't. Some people, you need to switch things on how you drink coffee, because believe it or not, sometimes fat coffee is actually worse and it raises glucose for you and breaks you out of autophagy. Sometimes fat is better. Sometimes black is better. Sometimes people can't do caffeine. So the point is, is knowing how to test if your coffee works in your intermittent fasting window is critical. And then also the diet variation in there. Um, listen, I, weekly variation. I talked a little bit about changing your diet seasonally, like the ancient cultures, but even weekly, meaning if you're low carb long, and this goes back to your original question, your body thinks after a while it's starving. We all hit it. Genetically, we hit it a different place. It happened to me. Matter of fact, I was at a, a cancer conference with Joe Mercola, and he said, Dan, I've been keto and I'm so strict, you know, but yet I'm losing muscle and I'm gaining belly fat. I said, Joe, the same thing happened to me. Here's what I did, right? And here's what you need to do. And I saw him at, at another conference. He was like, oh my gosh, it worked. Well, what did I tell Joe to do? And what did I do myself? You need feast days um, in the week. And I even like to put in famine days and feast days. I call it feast, famine, cycling. So what does that look like in your week? Pick at least one day a week. Maybe mine's always on Saturday where I eat higher levels of carbohydrates. If you're sick, make them healthy carbs, <laughs> potatoes, sweet potatoes, maybe more fruit, berries, whatever it is. Um, if you're not sick, enjoy uh, the pizza or the pasta that you wanted to enjoy. But the point is this, by telling the body it's not starving, you kick the body back into fat burning mode. And now all of a sudden, two days after you do a feast day, you notice your ketones are soaring again. Why? Because you reminded the body it wasn't starving and now it's burning fat again. So here's, here's the analogy. If you're in Alaska and you're in your little cabin and every winter you have a certain amount of wood that you have to make it through the, the hard winter. Well, this winter, it's even more hard. And you think, you know, my wood pile is diminishing. I'm going to die. So what are you going to do? You're going to start burning less wood. So that means instead of being 70 in your cabin, you're gonna be okay with 50 or 60 to survive. Now, a friend comes along and sees you're almost out of wood. He goes, I have plenty. And he sends someone over and dumps you more wood. Now, what are you gonna do? You're gonna start burning the fire again. You're gonna start burning more wood. That's what a feast day does. It reminds the body it's, it's gonna be okay. And you can start burning again because the body will conserve its fuel just like you conserved your wood. It doesn't wanna burn your fat because it knows it needs, so it slows down fat metabolism to survive. And again, it may take a year for that to happen for you. It may take three months. It depends on our genetics. But adding in at least one feast day 
is critical. Now, if you're a woman, I believe you do better with even two feast days. If you're a, a, a woman or a human <laughs> that has a thyroid condition or adrenal condition, you do better with typically two or maybe even three feast days. So then what we do is we feast famine. So we do a feast where you eat higher carbs and then you do a famine where maybe you don't eat at all the next day or you just eat one meal. And maybe it's one meal to five to 800 calories, feast famine. I interviewed uh, Kristen Verde um, a few years ago. Well, this is probably about four years ago now. And she studied um, a feast famine diet versus low carb versus um, low fat, multiple different diets. And for weight loss, and particularly weight loss resistance, the feast famine worked better. And I asked her the obvious question, Karen, why, why do you think that is? She said, when you change your diet abruptly, we believe that it forces the body to adapt to the change. And how does it do that? Hormone optimization. So we're back to that exact word. So feast famine cycling will break you through this resistance. Now, I, I'll take it a step further. We found in my doctor group that doing it monthly is another massive biohack for the hormones, especially ladies, if you're still cycling, doing high carb for five full days, the week before your cycle is a massive breakthrough hormonally for your whole month. Because what happens the week before your period is your body's making a lot of hormone transitions from inactive forms to active forms, like thyroid hormone, T4 to T3, you actually need insulin to make that transition. So if you're already low in thyroid hormone, it can't make that transition, especially if you're low carb, being very disciplined. So you're, you're actually hurting your efforts by being very disciplined. So giving five days of higher carb boosts up the insulin during that critical time of hormone uh, conversion. Same thing with estrogen. So we know that it, we, we can change you hormonally with carbs right before the cycle. Now, let's say that you're someone that says, for whatever reason, you're carb resistant. You can do the same thing with protein. So you could choose even weekly or monthly by doing five days of high protein or your feast days, even the week could be high protein because it kicks in a cycle called mTOR. mTOR is a anabolic pathway opposite of autophagy, the fasting pathway. So think of feast famine is the famine driving autophagy, the feast driving mTOR. That combination is part of that adaptation in this hormone optimization. Hey guys, I wanted to tell you I'm offering a free weight loss virtual Bible study. Now is the perfect time to focus on understanding true hunger and fullness and learn what the Bible has to say about it. All you have to do is go to ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study. After you sign up, you'll receive a six week Bible study video that you can watch on your own or you can get a small group of people and do it together. That's ChantelRayWay.com slash Bible study for your free six week Bible study course. Well, and I think it's true. So about two, two weeks ago, I did a five day water fast and about maybe like last week, it was still, I, I was probably about seven days later. I was looking at my girlfriend. I was like, I am ravenous. I don't know what's going on with me this week, but I'm just so hungry. Now this, again, this was like seven days after I had already been on that five. So it wasn't like the, the second or third day. 
And she said to me, she's like, probably because your body's still hungry from the five day that you didn't eat. Yes. And I was thinking, yeah, maybe that's true. You know, I wasn't thinking about it because it had already been a week, but I would, I just felt like I was, you know, just you know, just wanting, wanting, wanting. So I think just that idea of doing the feast famine is so good. All right. I'm going to, my, my wife and I eat the same way, but very differently. Meaning someone just asked me this question yesterday. I don't remember who, but my wife has far more intuitive eating than I do. Like I'm more structured, like, okay, I'm going to go keto for two months. And then I'm going to do higher healthy carbs for, you know, two months. Yeah. I, I'm like more structured where she just intuitively listens like this week, you know, she's eating higher carbs uh, and she eats healthy, right? Don't get me wrong. But then all of a sudden she'll just go for a week where she's eating one meal a day. And, and I said, why, why are you doing that? She's like, I'm just not hungry this week. <laughs> why are you eating more this week? I'm so hungry this week. You know? So again, I, I believe women, can intuitively eat better than men, but I think they need to intuitively intuitively eat more and pay attention to that innate intelligence signal just as you did. But sometimes we're broken um, because of neurotoxicity. If you're broken, you know, ladies force the variation, throw in more feast days, remind the body it's not starving, you know, give, throw in five days a month um, where you're eating higher carbs. And if you're cycling, uh, and by the way, if, if you're not cycling, if you're menopause, you can still pick five days and men, so can you, uh, right? It still works. And oftentimes I like to match it with five days of a partial fast where you get your calories under a thousand protein under 20 for five days in a row. And then you have five feast days. So you see same thing weekly feast famine, we can do monthly. And in my book, I talk about the different strategies to do that. But I, I'm telling you, this is our genetics are set up for it. You know, we can watch what happens hormonally, but it is all about the body having to adapt and how it adapts. It's really, uh, it's pretty amazing when it, it, listen, it's no different than exercise. I was good. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, it's just like the gym. Exactly. That's right. If you do here, when you first start exercising, I don't care what you do. It, you feel better. And it's like, Hey, I'm losing some weight. I, you know, and it works and then it plateaus. And then we know that it actually starts diminishing. So now you're actually getting less results. <laughs> you know, so that's what happens with diet. So you hire a trainer. What, are the, what does a good trainer do? Every time you come in the gym, he's changing intensity. He's changing exercises. He's, he's basically creating variation. Why is he doing that? To make your body adapt. Because if we can force your body adapt, that's how it gets stronger. <laughs> so if you're doing the same exercise all the time, just like the same diet, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And that's why I love to change things up. Like I, these, some of these people who even they do like cycle bar every single day, that's all they do is cycle bar, cycle bar. I'm like, go do something else. Like do cycle bar one day a week and then go do something else. Mix it up. Yeah. Yeah. And and it really is about, uh, you know, the, the body, it wants to do one thing over all things and that's survive. So when you're going low carb too long, paleo, keto, whatever it is, right. Uh, your, your body is going to say, I'm going to use less fat because this is my fuel source and I'm be damned if I'm going to burn it and leave you to die. <laughs> so it slows down fat metabolism. You know, again, any diet too long, I don't, you know, plant-based vegan, you know, will create disease. Variation is the magic. Let's I listen agree. to our, you know, We can look at the science and we can look at ancient cultures. 
but I, I believe I'm right on this. <laughs> so. I agree. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. This is from Stephanie Adams in Houston, Texas. I read on Google that a per, an average person after a three-day fast should lose about a pound a day, a total of three pounds. I did it and I lost one pound. My girlfriend, Jenison, did the exact same three-day fast at the same time. She lost four pounds. Do you think I have weight loss resistance? How often do you personally do a three-day fast, five-day fast, seven-day fast? Should I do it once a quarter? What are the benefits for each time? Like after a three-day fast, what's the benefits? Five-day fast. And mm. I think I'm just doing too much fasting because this was Jenison's mm. Jenison's first time fasting, she lost four pounds when I only lost one. Unfair. I'm confused. Stephanie Adams, Houston, Texas. There's a lot here. Yeah, there's a lot here. So first of all, I mean, I fast for, I do four on average, four or five day fasts a year, uh, but I mix it up. Some, maybe two are partial um, and two are pure water. Uh, but again, I you can over fast. You can have too much mTOR, meaning too high a calorie, too high a protein, too long, not good. Short periods of high protein or high calorie or high carb, very good. Long periods, too much mTOR, long ages you prematurely. Autophagy, too much, catabolic state. You lose too many cells. So there is this perfect balance that we've been talking about again. So many of my you know, clients that I work with personally um, to break through something like autoimmune, we fast them once a month, but we have to make sure we're getting the feast, right? Or we fast them every other month because each fast magic happens, but you can't fast without thinking of the feasting. So you have to be careful with that. So how often is very different for everybody. And, you know, you have to be careful. And I, I hope I made that point. Um, three-day fast. I can do a three-day fast and get a lot of benefit. The reason because I day one of a fast, I'm immediately in max autophagy and I shift over because I'm very metabolically flexible. If you're not as metabolically flexible, it typically takes you about three days even to get into an autophagy, a real good autophagy state. Typically day four, people hit max autophagy where you're really getting rid of the cells. So five days for the average person seems to be a magic number. Day four, uh, you finally hit max autophagy and day five, you're getting this massive growth hormone spike and hormone optimization. So that's why the five days. But if you're very metabolically flexible, you can benefit from three-day fast. So I hope I answered the question. Uh, there was a lot of questions. So give us a day in the life of what you're, what it looks like for fasting and eating and what your wife eats. Um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but kind of talk about a day in the life of Dr. Pompa. Like what's a week look like for you? Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, once a week, do one, yeah. one meal a day, just kind of hammer that yeah, out. I, I probably, I, I probably have two or three days a week where I eat one meal and, and it's never for me. And this is where I actually intuitively listen. Um, I just do it on the days where I don't think about food and I'm not hungry. Invariably, it's probably my busier days, um, you know, and they just kind of happen. And, and like many of you, I have weeks where I am hungrier and I, I don't do it. But I would say most weeks I have at least one day where I eat um, one meal um, and oftentimes two or three days in my week. 
Now, I always have at least one feast day a week, and I would say even oftentimes two. So, you know, I, I definitely um, have the, the variation weekly. And then, like I said, I, I, quarterly, I'm doing more longer fasts typically. Now, have you gotten yourself, you, I liked the way you said that. Cause I think that's so good. Cause you said, if you're healthy, you know, then you're going to be on your feast days. You're eating more fruit. You might be eating, you know, more beans or whatever, you know, you a little bit healthier version of your carbs. If, if you are sick, I mean, if you're healthy, then you could be eating, you know, pizza or some pasta or whatever. Have you gotten yourself to the place where, you know, I know you went from really being yeah. sick and now you, you've healed yourself. When you are in your feast days, are you eating pizza, carbs? Are you eating gluten? Yeah, if I'm, if I'm traveling, I'd probably say I'm, when, when I'm at home, you know, I, it's, I have healthy foods around me, so it's easy. But I had, to your point, when I was sick, I... I couldn't ever come off my diet. I was beyond gluten sensitive. I was, I couldn't eat grains. I, I was sensitive to everything. Now I can eat gluten. Uh, I have no problem with it. Uh, now with that said, I will typically, I only eat typically um, grains from like, I have restaurants if I'm going to eat pasta. They use ancient grain pasta from Italy, right? Where it's a way, way different grain than we get. They use the, the, the flour and they make their homemade pasta. So I still choose healthy. I don't want glyphosate in my body. So it's like, uh, I, I don't ever make exceptions on oils. I don't eat even at restaurants when I travel that use canola oil, vegetable oil. I tell them I'm allergic to it. Can you use just real olive oil? Um, so I've gotten really good at choosing, <laughs> making no exception. I would make an exception on sugar over oils because sugar, you burn it up, right? But these fats like canola oil, vegetable oil, they don't burn 132 days on average. They survive. They stay in your cell membranes, causing disruption. So, OK, I, I so let's let's do that. Let, let's talk about I always talk about red light, yellow light and green light foods. So obviously, you know, green light foods, you're going to eat all the time. Talk about some of the some more of those red light foods that you say this is we're not doing this. I don't care if we're in Aruba or if we are here at home, I'm not doing it. What are, give us some more of those red light foods for you. Yeah. It's the foods that have canola oil, vegetable oil, which is a lot of foods, by the way, even in whole foods. Um, so you have to be really careful. And uh, you know, it's a lot of the seed oils are rancid. Um, you have to be careful unless like, um, things like safflower oil, sunflower oil, unless they're uh, organic expeller press, they're probably rancid. So I'm, I'm, I don't ever make those exceptions. I don't eat um, farm-raised fish. Uh, you know, that's a red light for me. I just don't do it. I eat wild-caught fish. Uh, I don't eat grain-fed uh, animal, right? Uh, I don't do that. I don't eat grain-fed dairy, or, or I, should, I should say commercial dairy. So I don't make those exceptions, right? I, I will go without cream of my coffee if it's a you know non-organic because dairy um, holds a lot of toxins. Now again, I eat dairy folks, I, but I eat very clean grass-fed or you know organic dairy. Um, I eat meat, but it's grass-fed, 100% grass-fed and finished. So that, that's just the way, and I can get that when I travel. I, I find restaurants that have all of those. So it's mm -hmm. not hard. Obviously at home, it's very easy. But when I travel, and I travel a lot, it's easy for me not to cross those solid yellow lines. 
So what oils do you use at home when you're cooking or yeah, what do so, you ask the restaurants for? Yeah. So, I mean, restaurants typically have olive oil. Now, look, uh, could you get a not, a, you know, a, a not great olive oil? Um, you might, right? But there's a better chance of olive oil being better. I like to use avocado oil, almond oil uh, to cook in. Um, I, I think they take heat well. Certain things, um, I'll use butter or ghee, um, coconut oil. So those are typically the better oils. Awesome. Well, is there anything that you want to tell the listeners that I haven't asked you today? Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think that um, when we deal with your original question, right, weight loss resistance, you know, it is a cellular issue and it is a hormonal issue. Uh, most of you watching are frustrated because you eat better than your friends or family, and yet you still can't, and you have your story, right? Um, the message isn't necessarily that it's your fault. Uh, oftentimes, it is an upstream toxin disrupting your cell function, um, even driving autoimmune. You might not be diagnosed with autoimmune yet, um, but uh, most people in weight loss resistance have some autoimmune. It's just with the testing for autoimmunes in the stone ages, but your body's attacking itself, driving cellular inflammation. So, you know, when we look at getting upstream to the causative factor, you can turn off autoimmune, but you have to deal with the causes that turn on the gene and most likely it's toxins. So, uh, you know, go to my stuff and read it. And I talk a lot about that, but Thank you for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, tell listeners about what programs you offer and where they can find you and where they can follow you. Yeah, I mean, you can just go to my website, dr, like Dr. Dr, then my last name, P-O-M-P-A.com. So drpomba.com. My Facebook, I do Facebook Lives all the time on these topics. It's dr.danielpomba. And that's my fan page. So check me out there and that'll lead you to all the other stuff. Well, that's awesome. I love having you on. I have lots of guests on and most of them I agree, you know, with 80%, 90%, but I always agree with everything you have to say a hundred percent. I'm right on the same page with you. It's an absolute honor to have you on the show and you guys stay tuned. We'll have another episode coming up in just a bit. And if you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantalRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.